0: we're back we are back to the untitled jiu-jitsu podcast untitled yeah um (laughs) this is like a running joke yeah yeah (laughs) episode two uh last episode we talked a little bit about you know the effects of covid on the jiu-jitsu scene uh, particularly in uh, in australia due to in and out of lockdown constantly talked about jiu-jitsu competition and whatnot um today we are talking about what
1: Bit of a bit of a spicy one today. We are talking about trash talking in jiu-jitsu, where jiu-jitsu culture is heading. A bit of uh American BJJ or heard, American JJ. Rather. Never never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> never heard of American Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> and uh yeah, at the end we're gonna talk a little bit about culture, touching on the new versus the old and and yeah, where the whole jiu-jitsu scene is heading. Nice. I like it. Um Trash
0: talkers, mm. trash bro. I trash. hate them. Yeah, All there's, right. um, there's, you know, quite, quite recently. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of trash talkers in lots of sports, um, but there's been a more recent trash talking incident in the jujitsu scene um, on a on a in a recent competition involving Mikey, right?
1: Mikey yeah. Musumeshi. Yeah. So we're gonna kick off with that. So for those that haven't seen the news, it's pretty. Fairly current at the time of this recording. Um, by the time of the release, it's, it might be a bit of old news, but just for a bit of a recap, a bit of a history lesson, Mikey Musameshi versus uh, Gio Martinez. So Was that the the road to ADCC? Yeah, this is the road to ADCC super fight. Um, so spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the fight, Close your ears. But Mikey won (laughs) the fight uh, six points to zero. Um, So just as a recap of a fight, if you haven't seen it, you can see it on uh, Flow Grappling if you have that. Basically, it was a huge armbar attack from the beginning where Mikey nearly got the sub, but he didn't quite have the angle. Uh, Gordon Ryan had some really good commentary about uh, how he could have finished that with a bit more leverage. So Mikey was relentlessly searching for leg attacks. He ended up finishing off the fight after points had been uh, opened up. If you're not familiar with the ADCC rule set, after the first 10 minutes points are then awarded uh, for a 20-minute fight, this is. So 20 minutes of the first 10 minutes, no points, uh, only submissions, and then the last 10 minutes points are uh, opened up. Mikey uh, was able to get some pretty dominant back control, holding a uh, back triangle for the probably the last six minutes of the fight. And... Uh, but... What we're more interested in is talking about Mikey's blow-up after the match. He's self-confessed. He
0: lost it.
1: Yeah, he went a little bit bananas. So I'm going to play a short clip of uh, Mikey talking in the – this is immediately post-fight, in the immediate post-fight interview. This is Mikey Musumeci.
0: I'm here with the winner, Mikey Musumichi. Yeah. <laughs> Your glass is steaming up because you're working so hard out on the mat. Man, that was 20 minutes of action. Your debut under ADCC rules, and you were relentless in the search for the submission. That was an incredible performance, but let's hear it from you. How do you feel after such a match?
2: Man, you know, like uh, we're both black belts in Jiu Jitsu. I've been such a fan of Gio watching Nogi for so many years. I'm so disappointed in the behavior he had with me on the mat. What a low-class person, you know, like horrible. These values you learn as a black belt. You know, like what is that? Before the fight, he made fun of me for speaking Portuguese. Like I learned Portuguese from doing Jiu-Jitsu my whole life and he makes fun of me that I'm like being Brazilian, like showing respect to another culture. You know, like I can't believe this guy is a black belt. You know, strong words, Mikey. I don't I, care I, what skill you have in Jiu-Jitsu. If you carry yourself like that, you shouldn't be a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, so could you share with us...
1: The- oh, so you basically, you get the idea. He continues on the barrage for another two to three minutes. He does uh, talk about you know, how he's respected Gio for a long time and's always looked up to him, particularly in no gi, um, but then keeps circling back around to the trash talk before and after the fight. If you want to check that out, that's straight off Flow Grappling's Instagram. But ads. Yeah.
0: What's your thoughts on that, mate? I mean, like, I I didn't hear exactly. I mean, I've seen the the post fight interview as well as another interview with Mikey. We'll have a listen to in a second. Um, that he when he has a chance to talk after he's cooled off. I believe it's like a few days after yeah. the the fight. I personally have zero tolerance for trash talking. I absolutely hate it. You know. Um, I think it's it's so unnecessary. I understand why people do it, you know. Um, some people do it because they're just pricks, right? I don't think that's Gio's case, you know. Um, people who are pricks are people like, I don't know, Shale Sonnen and Conor <laughs> McGregor and, you know. Um, in the jiu-jitsu scene, Herbert Santos would be the uh, one of the absolute – I'm not mo- familiar with him. Urbeth Santos is, you would never want to fight him, right? The dude is a monster. I don't even want to fight you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm crap. <laughs> um, so Urbeth Santos is, oh, man, I'm, uh, yeah, he's a world champion, black belt world champion, I believe. Um, but he's incredibly tough. He's a big heavyweight, but he is notorious for, a couple of things. One, he's really well known for giving up during fights. Like you'll see him fight. Uh, there was one where he fought um, Marigali, uh, Nicholas Merigali, And I don't know, man, it's like he just, if he fails a sweep attempt or a pass attempt or something, you know, like something just rubs him the wrong way in the middle of a fight, he'll just give up. There's a, there's a fight of him and Merigali, and through it, Merigali's talking to him being like, dude, what are you doing? Like he's, he just gives up. You know, uh, Urbeth has lost to a lot of complete no-name people, right, because he just gives up halfway through the fight. So he's known for that, essentially being like a sore loser baby. Um, he's also known for really inappropriate trash-talking. Um, probably when it first came about was back when when Bernardo Faria was still competing. And um, at the Worlds, Bernardo unfortunately lost to Urbeth, but um, – yeah, in the in the middle of the fight, Urbeth was trash-talking Bernardo. Like, you know, Urbeth managed to pass and mount Bernardo and then was talking shit to him while he was mounted on Bernardo in the middle of the fight. You know, it's, it's so ridiculous, so unnecessary. But what the thing that Urbeth is probably most famous for is it was an event similar to, like, you know, Fight to Win or, or Who's Number One or whatever. And uh, I can't believe you haven't seen this footage. It's in the, in the middle of the... In the middle of the bout, he starts, he complains that he hurt his leg or something, and then starts arguing with the coach or the brother or something of his opponent in the crowd. I've not seen this at all. Dude, he just gets up with his sore leg and he runs and like Superman dives off the stage. Uh, to like fight this person in the crowd, bowls over at uh, some random chick in the process and then this goes on, then he gets up and runs across the stage to fight someone else. Wow. And man, like what a child. Dude, behavior that, in, in my opinion, like, um, you know, it's not like you can strip someone of their black belt, but like, man, someone like that shouldn't be allowed to compete, you know, and I understand why people who behave like that or people who trash talk, you know, you can understand the marketing media yeah, reasons behind to it. it. Hey, there's levels. I mean, cause there's people, um, who was another one back? Uh, <clears throat> so Josh Koscheck, if you remember, Josh Koscheck was, a, um, a, a really dominant, uh, welterweight. I think he was in the UFC. This was back like at the time when GSP was around. Um, I think Koscheck might've fought for the belt twice, maybe but. um, Anyway, like GSP was, you know, un- unstoppable. But Josh Koscheck was was incredibly tough and good, but re- known for being a trash talker and everything. But then um, again, mentioning Bernardo, Bernardo went and trained with Josh and and said he was a lovely guy. I was talking to Bernardo about it, um, and Bernardo said, "Man, that Josh Koscheck is a super lovely guy. Really, you know." really pleasant, good to train with, good to talk to. But when it comes to self-promoting your fights, it's all about trash talking because people
1: either love you or hate you. You have to Um, have some sort of emotion to really market something. You need to elicit emotion. If you're like a gray man, then I mean, I've heard stories from from the UFC, people getting dropped from the UFC because they're not quote unquote marketable. They're not entertaining. So they need to like reinvent themselves. They need to be almost like a Conor McGregor or um like a, a Poirier, like a Dustin Poirier, like either you're the the angel like like um Dustin is with his with his charity and everything like that, or you're the devil like yeah. Conor McGregor and you I elicit mean, that emotion.
0: Yeah, I mean I get it, especially from you know you I get it from the fighters point of view because they they want to become someone who is bookable. Yeah, they right? want to be and known. I, yeah and I get it from the organization's point of view because they're in the entertainment industry. Yeah. But man, like, I don't know, like morally- It just I'm doesn't like,
1: sit right with you, hey? Yeah, I'm like, man, just have some humility, hey? Eh? Yeah. Like you don't need to be a prick to do it. I mean- To be honest, like I'm just going to weigh in on this a little bit. I'm okay with a bit of trash talk pre-fight, but it's during the fight shenanigans. Like the, the that to me is bordering. It, it goes from- Doing a marketing ploy or or an advertisement stunt sort of thing to unprofessionalism.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Like, <clears throat> regardless of the the intensity of the trash talk during the fight. Yeah, that's like man, that's a bit, that's that's it's n- it's no go. Yeah. Like, imagine if you know, imagine if like Formula One drivers in the you know. Took that trash talking onto the track and like turned their race into, you know, a uh, Dodgeham cars and tried yeah. to like intentionally crash into each other. Like, no, like, man, you can't take it when you're then competing.
1: Mm. That's no Like,
0: You're supposed to be professionals, yeah. right? Like, this isn't WWF, right? Like, yeah, it's still entertainment, but it's sporting entertainment.
1: So, so just on that, circling back to the Mikey post interview this uh, okay so we've acknowledged that this was immediately post and we we did say we were about to play a uh, one a more cooled off Mikey but do you think his response was warranted do you think it was adding fuel to the fire do you think it was uh yeah what what's your take on on Mikey's response to it post i mean fight?
0: yeah like
1: i mean it's not like Mikey
0: said anything absurd mm-hmm. post-fight you got to remember like it's right after a 20-minute match like yeah. he's full of adrenaline and, oh, yeah. and and everything um and it was accumu- an accumulation of things rubbing him the wrong way uh you know it's i can't remember if he actually said the words this guy shouldn't be a black belt i can't
1: yeah he, he, he might have mentioned that <laughs> yeah like i mean i know he
0: said that i can't believe this guy's a yeah, black belt does he deserve does to he, he was
1: questioning the whether the, Gio deserved to be a black belt. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, you know, maybe that was a little rude or, mm. or whatever. But, you know, it was like an accumulation of things like right after the fight, full of adrenaline. I think one of the the main points that rubbed Mikey the wrong way was um, that Gio had a dig it in for Mikey speaking Portuguese, which, um, you know, I can kind of relate to as, as someone who, who also speaks Portuguese as a second language. Um Sometimes people – I find it weird. People have a dig at you for speaking a second language, particularly if if your pronunciation is really poor or your accent's really thick. But it's only ever the people who can – no one who speaks multiple languages has a dig at you when you're speaking a second language. It's only people who can only speak one language. I don't mean – sorry, I don't mean only speakers
1: in – It's predominantly. uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, But I I mean
0: it's not usually – you know, if someone's picking on you for speaking a second language or having a funny accent, chances are they speak one language. Yeah. Because if someone – if they speak multiple, they realize the difficulties in learning a second language and, you know, and yeah, – They're just I
1: projecting, ag- man. They're projecting their insecurity on you, I yeah. suppose. Yeah,
0: and I agree with Mikey, like, that, you know, Mikey's speaking Portuguese, res- respecting the culture he learned Portuguese because he's so in deep with jiu-jitsu and – yeah, so, I mean – his blow up, I don't think it was anything absurd. You know, like, yeah, it was just rather emotional. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like if we, if we have a listen to him speaking a few days later, you'll hear he, he dials it back quite significantly.
2: Like, I'm sorry to Gio for how I overreacted at the end. You know, I just, was exp- I just exploded at the end, you know. I just wasn't um, emotionally like stable at that moment after the match. But uh, what happened during the match and before the match, Gio kept making stabs at me, you know? And it was cool, you know? I I understand why he was doing it, but I eventually got to me during the match when he, in the beginning when we did Mercy Grips, he bent my finger (laughs) and uh, my fingers all like messed up from that match, Um, so that pissed me off because that was like really dirty of him, you know? He didn't shake my hand in the beginning, cool. I laughed, then when he did the Mercy thing, uh, he kind of really messed up my finger. And then uh, during the match, he just kept taunting me, you know. And before the match, he was, like, saying crap to me, like, you never fought a real Nogi opponent. Um, he brought up something about Kaio to me. Um, I don't know.
0: Like, I,
1: I, I... Yeah, so we'll just leave it there. If you want to see the full video on that, it goes for another minute or so. It's on the flow grappling. Yeah, he does, uh, and Mikey
0: Mikey Mike, does go on to, to say specifically, you know, that... Oh, does Gio deserve a black belt? Of course he deserves a black belt. Yeah, his jiu-jitsu yeah. is amazing. I respect his jiu-jitsu.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah. I did skip that 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 portion.
0: Trying to throw Mikey under the bus, bro. Nice. straight <laughs> under the bus. It's,
1: yeah, your favorite. Your favorite boy. Your golden, your golden boy uh, Mikey.
0: I really do like Mikey. I mean, I've never met him personally, but, um, yeah, he seems incredibly lovely. I mean, you can see he's, um, you know, he, he says exactly that. He was super emotional. And you know, he apologizes to Geo. But I don't think that necessarily excuses Geo's behavior, you know. I'm I'm you know, Mikey doesn't go into details about what Geo said regarding Kayo, like Kayo is is Mikey's coach. I mean, doesn't train it at Kayo's gym anymore, but you know, Kaio Terra is is Mikey's coach. Um, you know, saying stuff, Oh, you've never fought a, a real Nogi opponent, like that's such a stupid thing to say, like, cause Mikey could stand there and say, yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. I'm about to, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know like, and I mean, dominates." yeah, yeah. I mean, it's known Mikey's has until recently been known as predominantly a gi fighter. And you know, it's this last sort of six months or whatever that Mikey's stepped onto the no gee stage. Like, uh, 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 like, it's it kind of like making fun of a fat person for going to the gym. Mm. Like,
1: doesn't make any sense. It doesn't
0: make any sense, bro. And like, it just boggles my mind, that kind of trash talking, you know, Gordon Ryan's another one that- To
1: play devil's advocate, I did I did do a quick uh, read of some comments um, on the Flow Grappling Instagram on these posts. Yeah, We had a couple of, um, I'm not gonna name drop that There was a- Online trolls, yeah. Yeah, well, from some predominant UFC fighters who are also um, known in the jiu-jitsu community, basically having a dig back at Mikey. Um, not for anything specific. Well, but now I
0: want to know some names, bro. Drop yeah, some drop, names. drop
1: some names. Drop some name bombs. <laughs> um, but basically, the the consensus—well, not consensus—but these comments were alluding toward the fact that you know, to Mikey, directing this toward Mikey, saying, "Hey, this is the fight game. Like, this is you know, grow up. This is this is what happens in the fight game. Trash talk is a part of it. You know, stop effectively telling him stop being a, a, a baby." Uh, what do you? Yeah, your I did. That?
0: <laughs> I did read a comment that. um, that i actually did laugh at someone wrote uh something along the lines of oh mikey's mikey sounds like someone who grew up in the age of receiving participation awards or or, (laughs) or something like that Um, (laughs) yeah i mean i think i disagree with that a like just saying saying that or this is the fight game trash talking's part of it like just because you're you can't then just normalize something that's inappropriate mm. and just say oh it's part of the business like man it's so unprofessional and unnecessary it almost it almost you know what it makes me think of it makes me think of you know um i, I wasn't around it in this era but like i don't know the 80s or the 90s in offices where you know women were only secretaries and you know saying that Oh, trash talk, it's part of the fight business. To me, it sounds no different to, you know, when you see in movies that are dated back then how men slap women secretaries on the ass and stuff like that and call her sweet cheeks and all this sort of thing. And back then, like, it was the norm and acceptable. Are you likening trash talk to sexism? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Like, I mean, I get, yes, but no. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, it, uh, just because you say that it's part of the business doesn't
1: mean it should be part of the business. Yeah, it's you know? like, yeah, normalization of, of deviance, right? Like
0: Yeah, like, and, and okay, yeah, there's a lot of emotions and adrenaline when you're talking about fighting and combat sports. Man, like if you're a professional athlete, right, there, there needs to be, like, why does there need to be personal attacks yeah I mean I and I guess it's you know and I guess that's you could go down a rabbit hole of different types of trash talk like okay it's one thing to to question someone's jujitsu skills right when it turns in terms of trash talk like say you know oh man like Mikey's guard this and that and blah 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 blah, blah. I'm gonna I'm gonna smash him and take his back like I mean I don't necessarily see that as trash talking. I see that as
1: more as marketing, yeah, marketing the Yeah, well,
0: fight. even, I don't even know if I see it as that. Like, yeah, I guess you could argue it is, but I more see it as that's someone just saying, you know, being confident in themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like when a UFC fighter is like, man, you know, so-and-so has has no hands, glass chin, I'm gonna knock him out in the first. Like, I don't see that as trash talk. That's just someone being confident in their ability and, you know, saying what they think is going to happen in the fight. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess if you're in in Mikey and Gio's case, having a go at, you know, someone speaking Portuguese or uh, a famous UFC trash talking with Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, I uh, yeah, that one. And Chael talking about that he was going to, um, you know, walk into Anderson's house and, like, you know, slap his wife on the butt or something like that. Yeah, Chael's oh, a bit of a
1: flog, though, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that
0: is completely inappropriate yeah. trash talk, right? Like, um. so if you put them both in in the trash talk category, definitely one is more acceptable than the other. And one, I would argue, is not even trash talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I have to agree to that. Now, talking, we, we cannot do a jiu-jitsu-related podcast on trash talk without mentioning the king of trash talk, Gordon Ryan. You have some strong opinions about King Ryan. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's mean- hear him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, who who am I to to have a leg to stand on, you know, commenting on, on, on Gordon Ryan? Yeah, first things first, like, jujitsu wise you can't argue with the dude. Like, he is, he's followed through with essentially everything oh, yeah. that he said. And he's been, you know, don't get me wrong, Gordon Ryan cops a lot of flack as well. It's not like he only just dishes out.
1: Oh, he cops know. so much. He's he the biggest heaps. target in the industry, really.
0: Like, um you know and despite not i don't want to say despite his best efforts like but no matter what he did you know people still dumped crap on him like people said um you know they would say oh but you've never won a IBJJF competition and then he goes wins the no-gi worlds oh but you've never won ADCC then he goes to that oh but you've never done this then he would go and win that like no matter what people are hating on him right so jiu wise you you know, you can't floor the guy. His jujitsu is incredible and yeah, maybe one of the best of all time. I sense <laughs> a butt. A butt is coming. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> in terms of his online persona, again, like it's just as a whole, I just find it unnecessary. Like I find it so unnecessary that I don't even I don't even stay current with
1: it. You don't engage.
0: Uh, I don't I don't Well to shed some light. I here. don't follow him on on Instagram or any social media because it's like I would prefer to stay ignorant to it because it's just a whole bunch of negativity that I personally don't need in my life. I don't find it entertaining. You know, I find it unnecessary. I find it rude. Uh, I just find it such a waste of time to be embracing this online troll persona. So
1: Gordon actually spoke about this exact thing when he recently appeared for the first time on the Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, I know that Who's you, Joe Rogan? exactly. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm just sounding just like this. Look,
0: just let me just say this before we go. <laughs> before we go. We, go. we go any further, just by coincidence, the topic we're talking about today is. I have a lot of negative opinions on this. I'm not just like a super negative person. I can be quite negative. I've got some good friends that will just probably own it, man. don't justify <laughs> yourself. <own it. laughs> well, I've got some good friends that we will probably have as guests on the podcast um, at, at some stage who will who will vouch that I can be <laughs> quite quite negative. <laughs> I, I'm a very happy, lovely person. You know, I'm I can be incredibly positive, but just when we're talking about trash talking, Joe Rogan.
1: I don't. I don't have a lot of good things to say. Well, I personally am a big fan of Joe Rogan, so I'll mm. I'll I'll, I'll counterweight. I'll counterweight this negativity that everyone's feeling. No, but uh, when Gordon Ryan did appear on the Joe Rogan Experience, he was taught. Joe Rogan obviously brought this up and was like, "Hey, man, like, what's the go with with you know your online persona? Like, why why engage in so much trash talking? It's gotten to the point where Gordon, most of Gordon's uh, content is being censored by Instagram because of the overwhelming volume of hate that he gets and reporting and he's been shadow banned or self-proclaimed that he's been shadow banned. And and it's gotten to the point from my perspective as someone with a bit of a background in digital marketing and social media that he's actually shooting himself in the foot. It's almost like it's gone too far. And on uh, the the Joe Rogan podcast, if you, if you haven't heard it, basically Gordon's reason or his... The, what he was saying, his justification, if you will, for the trolling is he just finds it so entertaining. Like it's it's just entertainment for him, and um, people start on him, and he's the type of person that he needs to get the last word in. He just retaliates back, and then it's a back and forward, and then he has become the troll. He's trolling the trolls, in his own words. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a good point. Like you know, if if that's what it is, then I I mean I guess he can't really be up upset at Gordon because if he's doing it solely because he finds it entertaining and like no one else has it like he's not breaking the law so no one else has the right to say what Gordon can and can't do for entertainment you know that I mean if Gordon finds trash talking and online trolling look, hang on I don't want a blanket statement and say you know, if you find online trolling entertaining, you can do it. I mean, we've got to – if you're not crossing the line of of online bullying. And harassment. And harassment. Yeah. If it's just – instead of trolling, let's call it banter, mm. right? If you engage in online we'll – say
1: spicy banter. Spicy banter,
0: <laughs> right? As a form of entertainment, you can't tell someone not to do that. Like, it, it's, it's no different than – someone playing video games for entertainment or something, you know, if that's what he wants to do f- with his time for entertainment, it's just the fact that he has a uh, quite a large platform Yes, in the jujitsu community that people and, see and such it. a
1: large following. He's like that role model coming from someone yeah, that's I mean, new I, to the sport, like being brand new to the sport, um, I don't know too many names. Like I've obviously done a lot of research since first starting, but the first, like, say two three months of jujitsu, the names that I knew were Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, Lachlan Giles, because of the Australian scene, and that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. or Gary Toner, and, and that sort so, of group. They're, so,
0: so you pretty much know the, the, Dan the Danaher Death, Dana yeah, Death, exactly. yeah. Dana Death Squad. Yeah, exactly. I know the Danaher Death
1: Squad because their marketing is is so brilliant, and it's they not, are. It's the, not their marketing. It's, I mean. Oh,
0: Kieran, why are you just bringing up all these, all these <laughs> points that I got? Who is it? Look, this is probably a different episode, but it's it's not Danaher's marketing at all. It's Flow Grappling's marketing. Mm-hmm. And like, man, anyway. That, look, talking about-
1: Flow Grappling online, is a topic for another day. That is a whole nother
0: jujitsu media and marketing and that's a whole nother thing. Um, but yeah, like, I guess that's another point as well. Like if, okay- if you find something entertaining but then all of a sudden you become famous or you become a role model, like, man, you, I think maybe then part of your job becomes adjusting your behavior, you know? Like,
1: like self-censorship?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like if, if you become a known figure, uh, let's say, for example, you become a famous actor and then you complain because people stop you and ask you for your autograph. Well, maybe you don't go into that business, bro. Like, you know, it, it comes with the territory, you know. So if you want to become the greatest jiu-jitsu grappler of all time and, and you know, you got to understand that by default you're going to become a role model to a lot of younger up-and-coming athletes, you know, to younger generations – Man, try be a good role model, huh? Like, why do you have to be a prick? All these people are looking up to you, and if if you if they look at you as the best grappler of all time and go, oh, you know, it's the norm to to behave inappropriately. Well, what do you think they're going to do?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, leading leading from a little bit away from Gordon Ryan, but sort of in the same wheelhouse, we did have on the agenda today to talk about AJJ, and I mentioned it in the intro and sort of butchered it a little bit, but American Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. What, or WTF, is American Jiu-Jitsu? So,
0: um, from my, look, like, I'm not the most versed in Jiu-Jitsu history, but um, the, in a, in a nutshell, Jiu-jitsu started in Japan, Japanese jiu-jitsu, right? Was brought over to Brazil after there was a huge amount of Japanese that um, that migrated to Brazil after World War II, I believe, or it might have been after World War I. I, I can't remember, right? Um, and then the story goes that Elio Gracie was too little to perform the Japanese jiu-jitsu moves because they required a bit more sort of just – size and strength to be able to do them so he modified the techniques to work for a smaller person based on um the the principles of base and leverage and applied technique and that became brazilian jiu-jitsu or if you ask a lot of um pretty much anyone from the gracie family they say brazilian jiu-jitsu is gracie jiu-jitsu and then now that's you know trickled down into a lot of american a lot of jiu-jitsu fighters who are American saying, oh, well, we don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we do American jiu-jitsu. And it's, again, just another marketing ploy. Like, it's just people trying to have their 15 seconds of fame. There's there's no such thing as American jiu-jitsu, right? Like, you could even argue there's no such thing as Brazilian jiu-jitsu anymore. I was just thinking that, yeah. You know, like, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu has become such the dominant form of ju- like let's let's imagine there's a whole bunch there's Australian jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, American jiu-jitsu, whatever. Like the Brazilian one has become the the most dominant one due to how it became popular through UFC, right? It's it's just the norm now that it influences all the other types of jiu-jitsu, right? So Brazilian jiu-jitsu influences Japanese jujitsu nowadays. And just call it all jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like it, it 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 really doesn't matter like with the internet there is so much shared knowledge that you can't call it American jiu-jitsu, right? Like it's not like everything you're doing is coming from what was birthed in Brazil and then in Japan. Man, just call it all jiu-jitsu. Trying to call it American jiu-jitsu which um I think the guy who does it the most at the moment is Keenan.
1: Yeah, Keenan Cornelius. So just for context for the audience, if you're not familiar, I've done a bit of research into Keenan Cornelius. So he is was under Andre Galvao at Team Atos. He left Atos after falling out with Galvao. Um, and he effectively started his own school, his own gym. He opened his own gym and he called it Legion American Jiu-Jitsu. And they now have a, a Legion uh, American Jiu-Jitsu um, group. I I can't remember the exact uh, terminology they use, but they he now has a string of academies under the banner of Legion American Jiu-Jitsu. So Keenan, effectively by calling it American Jiu-Jitsu and branding himself with you know let, let's be honest, a bit of marketing as American Jiu-Jitsu, he's pissed off a lot of people. Um, but I do have a quote, then. and I actually haven't told Adam this quote yet, so I'm I'm interested to get his live reaction to it. It's
0: riling me up. I know, bro.
1: man. So get 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 this. Forgive me if you've already heard it, but the the one thing that really pissed off a lot of people that Keenan did fairly recently is when he appeared on the Jiu Jitsu podcast, uh, Matt Burn podcast, and he said that. Helio and Hickson Gracie's jiu-jitsu wasn't that good and he attributed it to a purple belt level. The exact quote, and if you want to check this quote out, um, it's really easily uh, Googleable. Uh, but his exact quote was, their level was probably a tough purple belt. What is your thoughts on that?
0: I, I don't even understand why people would get upset at that quote. Like it's 100% true. Like, I, I maybe even less. Maybe the skill of them was maybe like a, a good blue belt.
1: Or something. <laughs> he's, he's talking I, so much shit right
0: now. <laughs> no, no, I 100% agree with Keenan. Like, but I think I didn't listen to that podcast. So um, I'm not sure what happened in the, the, the conversation before and after that mm. quote. A lot of quotes are cherry-picked, right? Yeah, Out of context. That, that's a good point.
1: But, um, I think the context for this, I don't think I did a very good job of explaining it. The context for this was Keenan was talking about uh, how people or the, the whole conversation was talking about how people really look up to, you know, the the Gracie family and how brilliant, they would always talk about how brilliant their jiu-jitsu was and he was comparing it to modern jujitsu, and because of how far jiu-jitsu has progressed, if they were to compete like, just yeah. pick, well, pluck them out of history, put them into a competition today, they would be considered a higher purple belt level.
0: That's, that's, ex- yeah, 100%, 100%. Like, and there's, that's just the evolution of the sport. Like, you know, uh, if you, as an instructor, right, the goal should be that your student becomes, you know, the student becomes the master, right? If your student never becomes better than you, like things don't evolve that's not just in sport that's in everything like you know comparing like modern day jiu-jitsu athletes to the the founders of brazilian jiu-jitsu like the 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 like Helio and Carlos and all that trying to say that they would have a leg to stand on in today's competitive jiu-jitsu like no it's like saying it's like comparing Elon Musk, right, and SpaceX to the Wright brothers. Yeah, like, dude, like the completely different generations and tech. Like, no, like they they're uncomparable. But because of the work that the Wright brothers did and all the engineers that it has followed,
1: to Elon Musk's SpaceX, exactly,
0: it's led to what we what you know those yeah. engineers are able to do today. So, you know, the the current jujitsu athletes at the level they're at because of I'm not just saying because of, you know. Helio Gracie and that it's Helio Gracie and then who they taught and then who that person taught. You yeah. know, it's the progression of the sport. You know, and you can even you don't even have to go back that far to see it. Even the blue belts of today compared to blue belts of ten years ago, man, like you know the 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 competitive blue belts of today, dude, would you know would murder the average black belt. They, they're so so good. The, the, the sport has evolved so much. So going back to Keenan's quote, I don't, in my opinion, the only way you can be offended by that quote is if it's taken out of context, right? Like, mm. again, yeah, I'll use the example of Elon Musk and the Wright brothers. You, you like, you can't compare them, right? And you can't have, you know, what we have today is because of the work that was done, you know. Another example, like you could talk about Bruce Lee, right? Why did Bruce Lee cop so much flack? Bruce Lee copped so much flack back in his day because of the the, the creation of, of Jeet Kune Do, which was his martial art, where he he took what he thought were the best parts of, um, of other different martial arts and put them together. In other words, like, Bruce Lee is kind of credited as the, the founding father of MMA, right? But he copped so much flack for it in his day because different martial arts were considered... They were like sacred. They were like religion. Secret. Yeah, yeah. they were secret. You weren't allowed to teach someone, um, you know, uh, Kung Fu, not Kung Fu, gung Fu, which is what Bruce Lee first trained, right? You're not allowed to teach someone, Kung, a foreigner gung Fu, right? Like it, it's sacred, right? It's a, yeah, a secret, let alone cherry pick the best bits from different martial arts and put it together. And that's what Bruce Lee did, right? Would he, would, you know, Prime Bruce Lee, standard, uh, you know, stand a chance in the UFC today
1: against like Dustin Poirier (laughs) or someone, or (laughs) no chance, yeah,
0: no chance. But I'm not saying that means Bruce Lee isn't a credible, legitimate fighter, you know, but it was a different generation, right? Different time, you can't compare the two. But because of the work that he did, and then the work that um, Bruce Lee's students did, and then the students of his students, and so on, and so on, and so on, that's how we progress, right? So I'm um, 100% on board with Keenan's quote there, as long as it's in context.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that makes sense. And honestly, I'm a little bit, I'm not surprised now that you've broken it down, um, but for some reason, I, I think that there's certain things to me, like honestly, I wouldn't be comfortable coming out and say, saying something like that because uh, I don't really have enough, uh, historical knowledge, context and honestly uh, the, my own jiu-jitsu skills to back it up. It's kind of <laughs> like you have to have a, a bit of credibility to be able to say something, not even controversial because I mean nothing you said was controversial but um, yeah, that's just really interesting to get Dude, your take on Don't say yourself
0: that. short. Your hip escapes are really coming along. Oh man, did you, did you talk <laughs> shit about my strip on the air. <laughs> but okay. yeah, like I mean if you, if you want to go back then to naming stuff American jiu-jitsu like – I mean, let's ask Keenan. Keenan was uh, him alongside the Meow Brothers during their purple belt and brown belt um, days. They were the best purple and brown belts. They were amazing to watch. They they were the names, right? All winning world championships, weight, absolute. So let's uh, ask Keenan. Let's get let's call Keenan now. <laughs> <laughs> get him uh, on the blow. Ask him, "Hey Keenan, how many American Jiu-Jitsu world titles do you have?" Mm. Zero. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, dude, just get over yourself. The name of the sport's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? Like, you know, you got the IBJJF, the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. I mean, a topic for a different day. They're slightly becoming less relevant with the the growth of Nogi and yeah, who's yeah. number one and all that. But then that's also another conversation for flow grappling media, like, cause it's all connected, but anyway, right? Like follow the money, <laughs> <laughs> follow the money. I mean, man, you, your students, you compete in IBJJF competitions. Like, I mean, if, if you want to take that firm of a stance and call it American Jiu Jitsu, then you shouldn't be allowed to compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions because it's a different sport or is it not a different sport? Yeah. Like, I don't know, Kian, and are you doing the same sport or a different sport? Yeah. Same I, sport? Well, same name, bro.
1: Like, I, I, like, I like what you said at the start, how it's, it's jiu-jitsu. Like, it's
0: jiu-jitsu, man. Brazilians
1: don't call it – in Brazil, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is in Brazil they don't call it jiu-jitsu Brazil. Like they don't call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? They call it jiu-jitsu.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you just – I mean, yes and no. Like everyone knows the, that it's called like BJJ or Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. But, yeah, you would just call it Jiu-Jitsu. Like I think a lot of people – like people just call it Jits. People call yeah. it Jewy, right? Yeah. People call it Jew, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, um, you would just say like the – yeah, the Jew part in Portuguese uh, in, in Brazil. Um and it's, man, just it's all the same man. sport with the internet and how much is shared. Like it'd be different if we're talking pre-internet, and you've yeah. got this group of people training out of America that they taught and developed the whole thing mm. in America Their with no systems, outside yeah. influence. And then you got people from this country, like you know. But man, there's so much information sharing. Like it's at this point, it it's seems all, a bit all the semantics. same, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like naming semantics. So I suppose it's no. It
0: makes me think of. Uh, when people name useless positions and techniques oh, after themselves. Yeah. It's just people trying to make a name for themselves. What's the one
1: we saw yesterday? Panda guard.
0: Oh my God. I don't, I can't what is remember. The,
1: Can you teach me panda No, because it doesn't exist, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, I don't even know what it is. Like, okay, there's new positions and techniques that get invented and get named deserving names, right? Like, uh, some of the more recent ones, Carico Plata. Well, yeah, that's that's not even that recent, right? The Tucu Plata or the the the, the Plata, they're like the Plata variations, but mm. that like there's a big difference in how the the submission is finished, right? Like it mm. deserves its own name. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got more recently, let's say like Z Guard and K Guard, right? More
1: a Worm Guard, even that's fairly Worm recent. Guard
0: is yeah, like Z and K are, are, are newer than than Wormguard. Wormguard, but yeah let's take worm guard right that that Keenan developed they're different enough that they deserve their own name right but you got yeah this one I saw yesterday on Instagram panda it was like what was it Knee bar or toehold from panda guard it was yeah. like no man that's half guard like I mean people another <laughs> an, another one I saw was like um it was spider guard but The guy, instead of putting one of his feet on the bicep, it was on the hip or something, and he called it tarantula guard. Yeah. No, dude. Like, it's spider guard. Like, you can't change, like, one – well, sometimes one grip is very significant in a match. But, I mean, like, it's the same position, you know. Like, uh, Bernardo Faria, famous for deep half guard. It's vastly different to regular half guard. Z guard is very different. A regular half guard, you know, but sometimes you know people they'll be in close guard, and then they go, "Okay, this is close guard." Now I make a grip on their sleeve, and this is Adam Child's guard. <laughs> no man, I look to Like that. It, it's close guard, and you've got a sleeve grip.
1: Coming soon on BJJ Fanatics, Adam Child's guard. Adam Child, Char- yeah, <laughs> Adam Child's guard. Two ninety nine. Yeah.
0: It's it's ridiculous. It's just people, and and I think uh, the American Jiu Jitsu thing is is I think it's the same. The yeah. same deal, like it's, it's semantics, it's such a, it's so useless, people just trying to have their 15 seconds of fame, you know. If you have a legitimate new position and everything, it would deserve a name or a new submission that no one's ever seen before, you know. Another recent one, the buggy choke that the Hoodalo the, the, the brothers are famous for doing, Cade and Ty out of Atos. Um, it's like a, it's a choke done from the bottom of side control that they've become very famous for, Uh, you know, it's a new submission. It deserves a name. It's not just a triangle choke, but you, you know, you make a three-finger grip instead of a (laughs) four-finger grip or something, and then you name it something else.
1: Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. So when it comes to the the whole debate, should American jiu-jitsu be considered a legitimate style or is it just branding? It's just branding. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to agree with that. Cool. All right. So this is one this is this is a topic now that we're gonna move on to that I really wanted to bring up is culture. New versus old. For context, there are so many this probably goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway. There's so many like unspoken rules and and um you know traditions like a simple one would be bowing on and off the mats right yeah. and like if you go to a, a gracie baha or, or I, I can't really speak for any other gracie because i've only experienced uh gracie Barra, but if you go to any sort of gracie gym you know you have to bow to a certain certain direction to get on and off the mats there's certain rules like um you cannot ask a higher belt to roll yeah. If you're a lower belt, so yeah. me as a white belt, going up to someone like a blue belt or, uh, or even yourself and asking you to roll is considered a big no-no. Yeah, I've got a few complaints about you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, he's talking shit. Um, so I, a lot of these like nuanced rules, regulations, like things that you learn over time after you embarrass yourself or whatever, some of them don't actually apply in a lot of modern gyms. And I only learned about some of them from my YouTube comments. So I posted a video about um, choosing training partners. And in that video, I highlighted that, you know, once a a session I tried to um, roll with a higher belt to, you know, progress that way. And then I was shut down by a select few people in the comments saying like, that's that's a big no-no and I'm being disrespectful. And they're personally not allowed to do that. And it went so far as, which I really wanna get your opinion on, at some gyms, I think these were in the states, um, but some gyms white belts are not allowed to roll with colored belts. Only white belts roll with white belts, and then all the colored belts can can roll in their exclusive club from blue belt up. What's your opinion, firstly, on on new versus old culture, and uh, what's your opinion on the the whole white belt rolling thing? I want to start with the uh, the culture piece first.
0: Yeah, so. A lot of those these rules, if you want to call them that, they're these unspoken rules, and they're definitely more more old school. You don't see them as much in in, in modern gyms, and I think they come from a time when jiu-jitsu was very sink or swim. Back back in the day, I say back in the day. It's not like you know I, I've been training for, for 40 years or anything. But an old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I have one particular student, <clears throat> Sophia, who thinks I'm in my mid-40s. <laughs> Sophia. Uh, Poor girl, she'll never get her purple belt now. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no uh, even when I started, it was a bit sink or swim, right? Like you kind of just went into the class, got the crap beat out of you, and if you could suck it up and stick it out, you got good that's not really how it works nowadays. Right. Um, but even then I, you just kind of have to learn these rules by default. And what I mean by default is you would unintentionally break one of those rules, like asking a, a higher belt to roll, um, or a higher belt asking you to roll and you say, Oh no, I've already got a partner. Yeah. Right? I see
1: that all the time. <laughs> and, um,
0: and then, Getting ripped a new one by yeah. said higher belt. That's kind of how you would learn, right? Yeah. Um, I one of the ones that I went through is that higher belts would always take your water. You know, like I I spent my time training in Brazil. For people who don't know, I, I moved to Brazil for jujitsu, lived in Brazil, um, trained with with Fabio at, a, at the Alliance headquarters for for five years, living training every day, and yeah people would the higher belts would just take your water and being in Brazil, you can't drink the tap water or you're definitely not supposed to drink the tap water so if the bubbler was broken or the the bubbler the drinking fountain was broken or there was too much of a line to get to it, people would take your bottled water right um was another rule like uh this is a this is one that happens all the time that if you're rolling and you bump into another pair that you give way to the higher belt. And again, like myself, I learnt all these just by by default by getting yelled at for accidentally breaking the rule, unintentionally breaking the rule, because you don't never knew the role rule existed and no one explained it to you until one day you don't move out of the way of a higher belt and they just man they make you you almost leave the gym crying because of how you know how much they yelled at you in terms of that nowadays look i can't speak for every gym but for example in in our gym it's hard. i'm kind of in between because i came up in that culture so when i think when i'm training really hard and i'm not and i kind of have more my training cap on and less my instructor cap on. I maybe slip back into that mentality. If I'm personally wanting to train really hard, I kind of expect lower belts to get out of my way when I'm rolling. Is that the right mentality? Uh, I don't know. I think to some degree it is. So a lot of these unspoken rules, I'll teach them to my students, like when they're lining up at the end of class or something, I'll – obviously not every class because that would be a bit of a drag. But be A I'm, bit weird. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but I mention it every now and again, some of these unspoken rules. But if we take the one bumping into each other, for example, I tell my students to use common sense. So let's say I've got me and another black belt rolling and then there's two other white belts rolling, right? If we bump into each other, and me and my partner, the other black belt, are in a very, I don't know, like a static position, like whatever, close guard or something, and we look over and the two white belts are in the middle of an armbar attempt. For me, common sense is that me and the other black belt are going to move. These guys are in a position that, like, it's a bit harder to replicate. They're right in the make or break of, of their role, whereas we're in a more of a static position. I, for me, that's common sense. I'm going to move out of their way if we're both in static positions, right? then I'm kind of gonna, again, use common sense and go, well, have I moved eight meters away from where me and my partner started our role and we've pushed this white belt pair up into a corner against the wall? Hey, maybe we should go back to where we started. right? So I use common sense and I say that to my students as well, but I guess if in doubt, kind of move out of the way of the higher belt. And, you know, I think it's it's good knowledge to have, because what if I say to my students, what if you go visit another gym? Yeah, exactly. These are some rules that you want to know, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so another one I say, right? This is different to etiquette, but I, uh, the same sort of concept of, look, it's better you have this knowledge, right? So. When I tell students what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do in terms of um, like the rules of the sport of jujitsu, I say to them, look, these are the standard rules as in the IBJJF rules. Some gyms don't follow them like because they're, they're more into like Nogi ADCC rules with heel hooks and leg reaps and all this stuff or they're an MMA gym. I go, look, if in doubt, it's better to just assume they follow the IBJJF rules. You don't want to be the dude who walks in and heel hooks a white belt. Right, And then they yell at you and kick you out of the gym like, you know, better to assume that the gym follows, you know, this particular set of rules unless you're told otherwise. So it's the same for etiquette stuff as well. I say like, look, I tell my students in our gym, I don't care if you ask a higher belt to roll. Ask them, you know, they might say no, but... but I ask, do it all yeah, the time. Yeah, Kieran <laughs> does it all the time. But ask a higher belt to roll, you know, but be aware if you go visit another gym, it's going to depend on the gym. Like some gyms are going to be with that super old school mentality. You know, you can't ask this. You can't, you know, you can't drink water before the black belts drink water. You can't... Oh, that's you know, a new one, isn't that do one? All, yeah. Um, you know, so but the... For me, I just use common sense. Like, I think it's, man, just whoever it's easier for to move, move, you know. Or sometimes, like, you know, you see two guys, man, and they're going super hard. It might be two white belts, but, man, they're having a war, like a friendly war, like teammate war. I don't mean as in actually fighting. But, like, you have, you know, if you've trained for long enough, everyone will know they have someone in the gym who is, like, their – on any given day, any given role, you know, either of them can
1: win. It goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like I, me and Joey hard. <laughs> yeah. jo- Joey is a brown belt, about like very senior brown belt. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. But Kieran is, oh, yeah. Oh, puts it Mate. to him. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> but yeah, like you might see two white belts going super hard. Man, I'm going to move out of the way for them. They're having a really good role. Right. And, it's maybe more important than the role I'm having with whatever other belt at that particular time. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess it's a bit of a shit answer for me. I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, No, it
1: makes sense. But like coming, coming from like old school, I'm presuming that Alliance headquarters in Brazil was old school, right? Like you said. Yeah. Like it was
0: when when I started there, so old school that there was only myself and one other guy. Um, like, foreigners who lived there and trained his name is Ali he's also a black belt from Fabio owns his own gym in Bahrain now um, called Elements Jiu Jitsu it's a a, an alliance affiliate Um, Ali and I we were both blue belts when we moved there were the only two foreigners who lived and trained there full time there were foreigners who who would come and go but we were the only two who trained there full time and in the beginning it was a bit Bruce Lee-esque They wouldn't want to, people would go out of their way to not help us and almost teach us incorrect things because it was seen as like teaching imposters their, their trade secrets.
1: Wow, so you really had to earn your stripes quite literally.
0: Man, it wasn't pretty much until Brown Belt by the time that like, I mean, look, of course I made some friends throughout it, but when would I say that? the gym as a whole accepted me, man, probably not even until brown belt, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, I had my few good friends and training partners, but a lot of people were just like, oh, it's the imposter, foreigner guy. I think Ali and I copped that for most of our time there. Um, the, the longer we were there, the less it happened. And obviously the, as we were there, the the world changed, you know, the the internet and social media and everything and, you know, information just became a bit more... Open to be shared, but it definitely wasn't in the beginning. Mm. Yeah. And like I said, I was there when people would take my water all the time. What I would do actually is um, there's this powdered drink in Brazil called tang, or tangi. It's called T A N G. It's essentially cordial, right? But yeah. it's in a powdered sachet. So, you know, you would buy it and put it in your drink and turn your water into cordial, right? Yep. Um, what people, do respect in the jiu-jitsu community in Brazil are your supplements because they're incredibly expensive. If you're not aware, import taxes in Brazil are absurd. I kid you not for the price that you pay for a car in Brazil, if you brought a brand new like whatever car, right, you could buy with this even taking currency conversion into consideration and everything, you could then take that same money into the US and buy four with the same car. Like import taxes in Brazil are a joke, right? So supplements are really expensive, super expensive. So people respect your supplements, they don't mess with your supplements. So what I would do is I would have my water bottle, I would have like a big two liter bottle of water or whatever, and I would put just enough of um, the tang, the tangi cordial powder, into the water to change the color of the water, not to essentially turn it into cordial, right? Cause I didn't want to drink cordial while I'm training just enough to change the color of the water. So then when you the black belt, bastard. the <laughs> black belts would come up to me and they'd be like, give me your water. And I would point at it and they could see it's like pink or whatever. I'll be like, nah, man, it's my BCAs. And they'd be like, Oh, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and they wouldn't touch it, but it was just water.
1: <laughs> I used to do that all the time, uh, shit. all the time. <laughs> You wait. From from the release of this podcast moving forward at, at Alliance, there's going to be high belts rolling the white belts for water. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Happening. <laughs> You're no. big dog for my fucking cordial. The
0: irony in that is that Brazil ex- exports more water
1: than any other country in the world. That is very ironic. <laughs> that is incredibly – that is straight irony right there. Uh, so in terms of like culture, right, so we, we sort of like danced around it, but – Coming from old school jiu jitsu from Brazil to now owning your own gym, setting your own tone, your own standard, I would say that, you know, I, I can only speak from my limited experience here, but just basing it off like youtube comments and me having these preconceived notions basically like releasing a fucking video to the entire jiu-jitsu world saying hey everyone should do this and it being completely counter <laughs> to old school like culture like that's how naive i was is what i'm trying to say um coming from you know experience at your gym what do you think of old cu- culture versus a new culture is the things that Should we just completely fob off all the old school unspoken rules, all this BS and just get with the times? Or should there be an element of like, you know, traditional martial art in modern Jiu-Jitsu?
0: I don't don't think like traditional martial arts, the right way to put it. I think some of the the old school culture needs to be embraced because...
1: What elements of old school?
0: Well, I just mean like the fundamentally all those old school unspoken rules come from what? Come from showing some level of respect to more senior um, students, right? And I think that kind of goes – I mean, pay respect where it's due, right? Until someone – like kind of innocent until proven guilty. If someone hasn't done anything to show you that they don't deserve that respect, then I think you should give it the same way that if you – you would unless you were told otherwise if you got a new job you would by default give a bit more respect to any other staff that have been there longer than you mm. right
1: yeah yeah makes sense
0: and 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 until you know maybe they've shown you've been there for a while and you've learned that that's they're actually a terrible employee who steals shit and maybe you don't <laughs> really respect them as as a There's coworker a that much yeah or a crackhead right I think it's the same for belts. Until someone show, gives you a reason not to, like by default you show a bit of respect. Like, you know, it takes time to earn those belts and there's something special, you know, like and I, I really believe that. Um, Gracie unless, unless you go
1: to a McDojo, right?
0: Unless you go to a McDojo. Um, there's, coincidentally, you said that while I was about to say Gracie Baja. Uh, <laughs> that's on you, bro. But, um, no, but Gracie Baja has one of their mottos that um, jiu for everyone. And I like that motto, and part of me agrees with it. But the other, at the same time, like I disagree with it. Like it's not for everyone, you know. It's it's hard, and not everyone deserves their black belt or or whatever belt, right? So if if you see someone with a with a blue, purple, brown, black belt, you know, I think it's something special. And like yeah, I agree. If they come from a legitimate instructor right they had to work hard for that and and they and they deserve it and it's something impressive and inspiring and, they're, and they're it carries
1: sh- a certain amount of respect and a certain amount of um i wouldn't say benefits but for a lack of a better de- descriptor benefits yes yeah.
0: like i don't you don't it's have like to tiptoe like around seniority. yeah you don't have to tiptoe around the person like yeah, they're, still ju- they're still just a human yeah right but i mean like Man, that dude is wearing, like, that that guy or girl who's got a black belt around their waist or a purple belt around their waist, like, that's impressive. They did uh, that, uh, they invested a lot to get that, to earn that, you know, and on some level, you should be like, show some respect to that belt. Mm. So, you know, again, I'm I'm maybe not the best uh, example of this because. For any of my students who train with me now and have trained elsewhere, they will know that I'm definitely one of the most relaxed instructors in terms of um, how I allow the interactions between students and instructors to happen. Um, so I'm, even though I come from that old school culture, I don't really enforce it that much yeah. unless I get pushed the wrong way. There was actually quite recently, um, there was one particular day I was preparing for a competition so I was doing my own training as well and someone had a dig at the music that I'd put on and – I just I just lost it. I think I just – I put the same song – I was like – On I, I kind of turned into a little bit of a spoiled little like 12-year-old, you know. I put the same song on repeat for like a whole hour's class. <laughs> I didn't let people change it. I didn't let people have water, you know. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that's the correct way to behave. Like, you know, but my, my line in the sand is drawn so far back – but then when it does get encroached on, I kind of snap. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> knows, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Don't I'm, worry. I'm so relaxed that when people push it too far, push you know, I feel that my line in the sand, no one should come anywhere near it because it's drawn so far back that when people do They're like, Ooh. You know, <laughs> but like man, that's how that's how it used to be. Like, you know, you would you would rock up Let's take my gym, for example, our gym. When someone's late to class, they'll apologize. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's all good. You know, um, I'm definitely more strict for competition training. Yes. But, um, you know, like they're, they're different products. They're different services being offered, like a regular beginner's class and a competition class. But, um, man, in Brazil, like there were times – I remember one time I saw Gabby Garcia come in late, right, and she's already a four-time, or at the time, a four-time or three-time black belt world champion. She's late. Man, Fabio's making her do burpees and pull-ups and everything. because wow. She's late, you know. There was another time, another. Like, did you ever roll with Gabby? I used to roll with her like almost every day. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I um, couldn't talk more about my history in Brazil one Yeah, we, one we definitely day, but, need to do that. We need but, to do yeah, that. Gabby and I are tight now. We did not used to be. Wow, there's a bit of history of beef there. <laughs> yeah, we dated.
1: No, no, no. Ads, uh, you were the Craig Jones before Craig Jones. Yeah, right. yeah. You yeah started yeah, this yeah. Gabby Garcia. Yeah. No,
0: I really like Gabby. You know, we're, we're super good friends now, but we, um, we used to n- have some not friendly
1: roles nice. back, back when I was a blue belt. But nice. uh, so a, a story for another day. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, that's an interesting note to to finish off this episode. Yeah, I um, think we'll
0: wrap this one up. We've been yeah. uh, about over an hour this time. Yeah, about.
1: yeah, this is good, good episode. It's because
0: it, you got me on the trash talk and I got uh, all negative, you know. You got was, riled up. You had to justify. You you had yeah.
1: to, he's not a bad guy. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think and, um, next episode we're talking about what?
1: Uh, next episode – We are talking about what a good instructor is versus a bad instructor, what to look for in a gym, and a really interesting topic, business versus loyalty. This is touching on – it will be a little bit of rehash on some uh, old culture versus new culture, but a bit of a different spin on it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about – all sorts of good stuff in the next episode. If you're listening to this podcast for this long, we really appreciate the support. Uh if you could give us a follow and a review. If you could throw out some suggestions of names
0: for the podcast. Yeah, and send us send us some money. What else we got? <laughs> well,
1: yeah. no, no, I mean
0: by the time this you guys are listening, we'll have a name. But until then, the what, what, what would i what say it? at the start the, 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 um, nameless. the, uh, the, the nameless podcast or the untitled the untitled, the untitled jiu-jitsu podcast untitled jiu-jitsu yeah. that might stick that's, yeah, that's funny we'll
1: see. anyway thanks for watching guys and uh until next time peace out